Hello? You guys hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, all right. How are you guys all doing? Good. Good? Good? Uh, yes, my name is Emily, and as Eunice said, that I'm an intern pastor at New Philadelphia Church. Good. And uh, just to tell you guys a little bit about myself, I know it's hard to connect with someone when they're up and you have no idea where they're coming from. So uh, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and... Uh, high school, I went out to New York City, and I went to Parsons School of Design, okay, and I did a fashion design for a little bit before I returned back home to Washington, finished off with a, a bachelor in marketing, okay, business marketing, a minor in Korean, and with an emphasis in psychology. I came out of college, and... Is there an echo, huh? Yeah, that's the speaker. You have to point it. Uh, I have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, oh, okay, genius. Uh, after that, I came out of uh, college, and I worked in the fashion industry for about a year and a half before I was invited out here to be an intern pastor by my spiritual mentor, Pastor Christian Lee, who is the lead pastor at New Philadelphia Church. How many of you guys have been to New Philadelphia Church? I'm going to say almost all of you. Awesome. Well, a little bit more about myself is I was saved actually just about five years ago. So I didn't grow up in the church, all right? And uh, one of the first preachers that I... One of the I feel like I sound like an alien. <laughs> uh, with... Is it just me? Okay, sorry. Um, anyways, I was saved about five years ago, and uh, the first preacher that I ever listened to was Joel Osteen. How many of you guys know Joel Osteen? Almost all of us, right? Now, I love Joel Osteen, okay? So you can say anything you want about Joel Osteen, but you won't affect me. Because... He had a crucial role to play in my salvation because he was one of the only preachers I could listen to and actually understand, okay, and actually came out feeling encouraged, all right? And one thing that Joel Osteen always does is he starts out his messages with a joke. You guys know that, right? So for the first time ever in my preaching career, I'm going to start out with a joke. Now, Jesus and Satan... We're having an ongoing argument about who was better on his computer. They had been going at it for days, and God was tired of hearing all of the bickering. Finally, God said, cool it. I'm going to set up a test that will run two hours, and I will judge who does the better job. So Satan and Jesus sat at their keyboards and typed away. They moused, they did spreadsheets, they wrote reports, they sent faxes, they sent emails, they sent out email with attachments. They downloaded, they did some genealogy reports, they made cards, they did every known job that they could do on a computer. But ten minutes before their time was up, lightning suddenly flashed across the sky, thunder rolled, the rain poured, and of course, the electricity went off. Satan stared at his blank screen and screamed every curse word known in the underworld. Jesus, he just sighed. The electricity finally flickered back on, and each of them restarted their computers, Satan started searching frantically, screaming, It's gone! It's gone! I lost everything when the power went out. 
Meanwhile, Jesus quietly started printing out all of his files from the past two hours. Satan observed this and said, wait, he cheated. How did he do that? God shrugged and said, Jesus saves. <laughs> How many of you guys have worked on something okay, for a long time and lost it? Okay, whether it's an email, okay, we got someone up here, uh, an Excel file. You spend all this time making sure, you know, every cell is has the proper borders, and then you accidentally forgot to press save before closing the document, right? Essays, six hours, seven hours, and you lose it because Microsoft, your PC, decides to do an update on you all of a sudden, and for some reason it didn't save. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, for me, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. I really admire those people that are very um, open-minded and, and very practical. You know, when something like that happens, they're like, you know what, there's nothing we can do about it now. So let's just do what we can do. All right, I have about this much time. Let me try and see if I can fix it within the amount of time. I'm not like that. I go crazy and... There's this internal anger within me, okay? This internal injustice. No, I worked so long on that. No, I'm not doing anything. I'm not redoing it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, this feeling, okay, this feeling is magnified when whatever you built, whatever you did, can't be redone. All right, it's impossible. When something that you've been working on, you've been building, can't be rebuilt. In high school, I'm a big nerd, all right, if you guys didn't know, I'm a big nerd, and in my physics class, there was a project. This project was to build a toothpick bridge. And I'm very competitive, very competitive person, okay? And so the, the restrictions was you get a certain amount of toothpicks, and you can use one kind of glue. And so I spent days and nights building this toothpick bridge, and I was like, you know what? My toothpick bridge is gonna hold the most water. Y'all better watch out. And so the night before my toothpick bridge was supposed to go on show, I stick it safely in the passenger seat of my car. Okay, and the next morning I have this bad habit of if my window's open I, and I'm in a hurry, I throw my textbooks through the window, okay, and then get into the driver's seat. All right, and I forgot that morning that I had safely put my toothpick bridge on the passenger seat. What happened? It was destroyed. Okay. I think in my comments, I was so pissed off. Sorry if that's a bad word. Uh, I was so mad that I think I tried to rebuild it, but more than that, I went to the teacher and explained the situation to her and how she should give me an extension, and she actually wrote on my grade report, student does not deal with setbacks well, <laughs> something like that, okay? But on a more macro level, okay, on a more serious note, what about 9-11? Okay. What about the Twin Towers? You know, if you guys are from America, or even if you're not from America, you would know that in 2001, Okay, because of a terrorist attack, the two Twin Towers came down. They were destroyed. You guys remember that? Are you guys, how old were you? <laughs> I was in sixth grade. Um, I 
Anyways, it happened in 2001. Till this day, it still has not been rebuilt. There's been plans, government promises, that it's, they're going to rebuild six skyscrapers in one memorial. Okay? I think the only thing that's been built is one skyscraper and one in the memorial building. But they keep pushing it back, and now it's estimated that it's not going to be completed until 2020. Okay? But how many of you know that even if it's rebuilt, it's not going to be the same? So my question for you guys today is, is there something that you are rebuilding in your life from your past okay, that simply may not be worth rebuilding? Or even more simply, can't be rebuilt? Okay. If you guys can turn with me, if you guys have your Bibles, to Galatians. 2.18-21 And when you're there, would you read it with me? For <laughs> Alright, I'm just going to read it. <laughs> For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The first verse of that, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Guys, bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be a part of uh, what Korea University is building here at their Emmaus ministry. And God, I pray that today, if there's anything, Lord, that we're rebuilding from our former lives, God, anything that we're rebuilding and placing before you, God, that you would remind us, Lord, that it's already been destroyed and that you're calling us to live a life crucified with you moving forward. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch, God, your sons and daughters who are yearning, God, for one touch by you, one physical manifest touch, God. Let your presence, God, be manifest with us here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you guys are amazed students? Or not amazed students, sorry, exchange students? Most all of you guys, huh? Uh, just about five years ago, I was actually in your shoes. I was also exchange student here in Korea, but I was at Yonsei, okay, not KU. And uh, I came here actually in a, with a purpose of rebuilding my life. Okay, rebuilding my life. If, to give you guys a little bit of background about myself, okay, as you know, in high school, I was a big nerd, right? I was an insane overachiever. Okay, so I, I was in this program, I don't know if you guys know it, but it's called the International Baccalaureate Program. Oh, oh snap, everyone knows. <laughs> got some nerds up in here. I was in the International Baccalaureate Program, okay? I played basketball, played tennis, I did everything that I could do. I had to be friends with not just the popular group, but the nerds, the popular groups, the rejects, and the gothics. 
Okay, I just I just wanted to be liked by everyone. I want to be perfect at everything that I did. Okay, and then I told you guys that I want to pursue a career in fashion design. So right after college, uh, or right after high school, I enrolled into the most prestigious fashion design school at that time, which is Parsons in New York City, and uh, went out there. And that was when I encountered God. Okay. The way that I encountered God is kind of out of the ordinary. Because normally, when people encounter God, okay, they encounter God through people, right? But what if I told you that God actually introduced himself to me? If you guys know about um, the Apostle Paul, right, and his road, on the road to Damascus, how God encountered him, I actually relate most to his testimony. Because one day, if you guys don't know, all right, just in case anyone didn't grow up in the church, the Apostle Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus, okay, a bright light came, basically knocked him off his horse, and God spoke to him, and then made him blind. After three days, he was healed through a messenger of God, uh, not an angel, but a person. And I'm in seminary, so I'm trying to be theologically correct. Um, and basically he gave his life to Christ after that miracle when his eyes were healed. Okay, for me, I was in New York City, and I was walking, and I was a pedestrian, and I got struck by a taxi cab on the right side of my body. And I flew up, my head smashed into the windshield, and I proceeded to fly and landed 20 feet away from the accident. Now, in that moment, I felt like I had a Damascus moment. Because what happened was I felt a bright presence around me, a bright light, and I felt a warm presence on my right shoulder, and I heard God speak to me. Now, my turnaround, okay, my, my journey of giving my life to Christ wasn't as quick as the Apostle Paul's. Okay, it took me a while. It took me a few years, actually. Why? I was dealing with a lot of injury. Okay. I suffered from a lot of depression, post-anxiety, stress disorder. All right. I had mental illness as well. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. Hmm. But as soon as I started picking myself up and realized that it was really God who was healing me, and it was God who encountered me there, at a certain point in my life, I was actually 22, Doreen's turning 22 today, I decided that this is the year where every single student goes and studies abroad. And I'm not going to let this accident steal more from me than it already has. And so I made a decision. I don't care what the lawyers tell me that I can't go. I don't care what the doctors tell me that I can't go. I'm going to go and I'm going to rebuild my life. Okay? Nothing can steal what I've achieved. And so I was on my way to rebuild a life of achievements. And what better place to do that than Korea in a new land. I can learn a new language. I can make new friends. I can start all over again. I can remake my resume that will make me feel worthy. Gain new experiences. Hmm? And so I came out here, but little did I know that I was actually nullifying the grace of God in my life. Why? Because coming back here, I knew about God. I knew about Jesus and what he did for me, yet I was still choosing to rebuild my former life. 
I was still choosing to live as if I didn't know him. And in our scripture, I want if you guys have your Bibles, I want you guys to stay at Galatians 2, 18 to 21. It says that if you do that, if you live as if you didn't know God, Christ, you nullify everything that he has done for you. I was trying to rebuild the old ways that the world had taught me. Okay, achievement gives you worth. Achievement is what makes you stand out. I was trying to rebuild the way that the world had taught me rather than trying to learn how to live a life crucified with Christ. I think in the video we heard Pastor Aaron say something like this, right? If if crucifixion with him is a ring, what was it? If crucifixion is, if your engagement ring is crucified, <laughs> anyways, it sounded good. <laughs> I came here to start new and rebuild a life justified by works. Okay, and what I found was I came out here to build a new life, but God brought me out here to experience him. I thought I was coming here to gain more, achieve more, but God was bringing me out here to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was, should I go into that story? No, I'll I'll refrain. But yeah, I experienced uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit here, and I experienced true life in Christ. Since then, I have not turned back. Did I ever think that I would be a pastor? No. Did I ever think that I would go into seminary? Absolutely not. Do I want to be there? Not really. But has God called me there? Yeah. Do I regret it? No. Is it hard? Yeah. But is what Christ giving me better? Absolutely. What old ways are you rebuilding that has already been torn down, has already been destroyed, has already been crucified with Christ? What are you rebuilding? Okay, if we keep reading, you guys look with me to verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? You know, one of my biggest pet peeves, BC and now after I've been saved, about a church is the fact that in a church, everyone acts like they know what it means. What does it mean? How are you crucified with Christ? Has anyone asked that question? But homie over here pretends like he knows. Homie over here pretends like he knows. Shoot, I'm going to pretend like I know too. But does anyone actually really know how we're crucified with Christ? Because I really had no idea. So let's be real here and let's ask some questions. Okay? What does it mean? How is it that it's no longer I who live? Obviously, I'm living. Okay, how exactly does Christ live in me? And how do I walk this out? Okay, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Uh, in the passage, okay, it means to be crucified with Christ means to have died to the law. Okay, for Apostle Paul. 
He was a Pharisee, okay? He lived for the law. So to die to his former ways was to die to the law. And to live as a new person with Christ in him. 2 Corinthians 15, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. Crucifixion with Christ is saying goodbye to the old and welcoming the new that comes with Christ living in you. Are you rebuilding the old flesh in you? Or are you living the new life Christ has given you? Let me say it one more time. Are you rebuilding the old flesh in you? Or are you living the new life Christ gave you? Now, a lot of you came to study abroad here in Korea to try a new thing, right? Why else do you study abroad? You don't just do it, right? You have more comfort at home, but you want a new experience. Am I right? Okay. You guys come here, and some of you, like me, came here to get a new start. Start fresh. In fact, some of you guys, okay, are not just trying to start new, but you're actually, yeah, you, you, you want a new experience, but you're actually running from something back home. Past relationship. Mm. Poor eating habits. Bad friendships. Bad family situation. You've come here for a new experience, but there's something that you're running from back home as well, huh? Is there something that you're running from? Now, you may say, no, there's nothing I'm running from. I'm here just to live it up. I'm here just to experience something new. While new experiences are good, they're awesome, right? I'm here to tell you through experience, okay? Through going through almost death and back. True new experience, true new life comes through Christ and Christ only. Be careful when you say that this message doesn't apply to me. If you're saying I have no old ways, let me warn you that old ways can be disguised. Okay, not all old ways is bad. In fact, me, I was achievement oriented, right? To the world and even to Christians, it looks like something pretty good, right? Looks like success. Um, something like responsibility, okay? Something you could feel you can not trust in God and feel like you need to control everything, yet the world and everyone around you could just see that as responsibility. Right? There's certain things that uh, we place before God. Now, those things aren't bad. Everyone has their good habits and bad habits, but when it's placed before God, Okay, when you're trying to be justified, be found righteous because of those things, rather than Christ, Paul here calls you a transgressor. He's saying, why are you rebuilding things that Christ has already destroyed? Why are you wasting your time? Hmm? What are you rebuilding? Now, let's get to the practical, right? 
Now that I know all this, how do we stop rebuilding and how do we start living a life crucified with Christ? How? Number one, check in your baggage. Check in your baggage. Now, for those of you who come from a different country, you know what I'm talking about, right? How much anxiety and worry did you have trying to get your two baggages under 50 pounds? Can I get an amen? Amen. I told you guys earlier, right? Did I tell you guys I'm Chinese? No, y'all thought I was Korean. Uh-uh, I'm Chinese. I got heck of Chinese pride. And you know what? For the record, here in Korea, you guys Chinese food and Chinese food. Alright, that doesn't touch you. Mm-mm. And so when I go go home, I gotta pack my bags full of Chinese goods. Alright? I gotta get my Chinese sausages in there. I gotta get my Chinese corn. And <laughs> yeah, they have canned Chinese corn, alright? For those of you who didn't know. I'm a foodie, I love food. When I come with my two pound bags, one and a half of my bags, I know I say bags weird too, alright, if you've noticed that. Um, one and a half of my bags, aka 80 pounds worth of food. And so I feel like I'm praying more for my baggage to get through security check where I don't have to pay excess money than I am for my trip all the way across the world. Okay, check in your baggage. You know why? Because unlike airports, God has no baggage restrictions. Okay, he doesn't require that it be under a certain weight. He welcomes all your baggage, no matter how much you got. Why wouldn't you check it in? Why would you want to handle all of that baggage yourself? It's foolish, right? You know what? Not only that, but there's no need for you to even go through the anxiety of baggage claim. How many, I know for the girls, you really understand me, okay? <laughs> when you're waiting at that conveyor belt, everyone and their mama has gotten their baggage, and you're sitting there, and you're like, where's my baggage? And you start thinking about all the things, your makeup, everything that's in there. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, for me, I start rehearsing. All right, if they lose my bag, they're going to tell me they're going to give me this much money. I'm going to be like, no, my stuff is worth more than I start rehearsing what I'm going to say. But you know what? God says that you don't need, you don't need to go through that anxiety of even baggage claim. Check in your baggage with him. You don't even need to go to baggage claim. Why? Because whatever destination he sends you to, he's going to provide for all your needs. There's no need to even reclaim your baggage. You know, if we really think about it, okay, your rebuilding is really just a strategy of dealing with your baggage. For me, I felt insecure in my identity and relied on achievements for self-worth. Rebuilding my life of achievements was just a way to deal with my baggage of insecurity. Does that make sense? 
God is calling us to check in all our baggage. Okay? There's no sense in even trying to repack. How many of you guys, you know, when they're like 50 pounds and you're like, hang on, hang on, give it to me. Let me try to repack it. You try to shift things, it's still got to be 50 pounds. But don't we do that? We just keep on repacking. Keep on repacking. But God's calling us to just check it in. Stop rebuilding it. Check in your baggage. Number two. How do we live a life crucified with Christ and stop rebuilding? Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. The Christian life is not just a decision to turn around. Okay, a lot of us think it's just a turn. I'm just going to turn to Christ. But it's a lifestyle to move forward. It's not that easy. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not that easy. It's not just a turn. All right, I made a decision to follow Christ, but it's actually living it out. Now, I heard that we have a lot of thinkers in here. And so I'm going to give you guys some substance here. If we actually look into the original Greek text, Okay, when we say I've been crucified with Christ, that crucified looks like a past tense, but in the original language of this Bible that it was written in, okay, it's actually the perfect tense. What does that mean? I know y'all don't know the perfect tense, I didn't either. Perfect tense means that it happened, but it still continues to happen today. It's not just an event of the past. But we're called to continue to live out that lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living crucified with him. Okay, if you still don't get it, basically, in other words, you've been nailed to that cross and you're still there hanging with him. It's not that easy. And as soon as you guys realize that it's not that easy, you won't give up as easily either. You know, it's not just because it's difficult that you're not going to give up, but I can guarantee you guys okay, that if you choose to stop rebuilding and you choose to live a life crucified with Christ, what you gain is going to supersede everything that you've lost. Stop trying to rebuild what you've lost. What you gain, okay, it's going to make what you've lost look like a speck of dust. You know, for me, in my experience, you know, not only did I lose friends, not only did I lose everything that I achieved, all the credits that I had earned at Parsons, but I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even sleep. But even though I suffered that, I'm telling you, Today, that everything that I have gained through following Christ makes that situation that happened to me, that injustice that happened to me, look like a speck of dust. Move forward. Move forward and live out the crucified life that Christ has called us to live. Christ is the God of the impossible. Okay. If you think about it, having an impos a God that makes the impossible possible within you, how much more adventurous can that be? You've come out here for adventure, 
But Christ is saying that if you live a life with me, what you think is impossible in your life, I'm going to make possible. You think that me coming up here, I, used to, I, I would think that this is possible? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Christ makes the impossible possible. Like I said, being crucified with him is not just an event of the past, but it's a call to move forward. Okay, what well, the first point was checking your baggage. Two, move forward. Three, <laughs> three. <laughs> after you've checked in, after you've moved forward, okay, stop looking for things to rebuild. Simple, right? Stop looking for things to rebuild. Stop searching outside of Christ. It's Christ in you that gives you new life. Stop trying to find new life by rebuilding things in your past. You've already found it. Grab hold of it and move forward. You know, going back, before I go into the third point, all right, I just want to share one more thing about moving forward. I just remembered something that Joel Osteen said. Okay, as you guys said, I, as I told you, I really like Joel Osteen. And he has this one analogy that is powerful. And he said that when you, it's like when you're driving in a car. Okay, you're driving in a car, you have a rear view mirror, right? But you have a rear view mirror that's this big. And then you have a windshield in front of you that's way bigger. And he's saying that the reason why your windshield, your rear view mirror is so small is because what's in front of you is so much more important. You know, sometimes we can look back for safety. You know, let's, let's back up before we move forward. But he's saying the reason why it's so big in front of you is because what's ahead of you is so much more important. But too many of us just continue to try to drive looking at our rearview mirror. We need to move forward from our past and stop trying to rebuild it. You know, at New Philly Church, we often say that the Holy Spirit leads, but the devil pushes. God's always in front of you. You know, I'm going to dwell on this point a little bit more because I just got something else. And a lot of you guys think that, uh, some of you, I'm going to call it out. Some of you guys are here because you're running from a past relationship. You are. You're running from a past relationship that you know is dead, but you can't stop looking back. I know I'm speaking to someone today. Some of you guys are running from a past relationship. And in fact, that relationship had caused you to backslide a little bit, but now you're ready to put your life back in order. Let me, let me tell you my opinion on backsliding, okay? A lot of people think that backsliding is losing God's love, falling away from God's love. All right, but I'm going to tell you today, in my opinion, backsliding is rebuilding your former loves. Backsliding is rebuilding your former loves. But you know why? Because God, he can't ever be your former love. You can't ever go back to God because why? He's promised to be with you always. He says, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. I am the great I am, and I will be with you always. You can't go back. He's always in front of you. Stop rebuilding. 
your formal ways. Okay, now let's really get into point three. Stop looking for something to rebuild. It says here, going back into our passage, okay, I've been crucified with Christ. There's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Christ in me. What does that mean? How is there a living person in me? No. Okay, it's through the Holy Spirit that Christ lives in you. Are you living a life with the Holy Spirit in you? Okay, many Christians think that Christ in you means like a transformed me, a transformed I. But it's not. It's not just a transformed I. Why? Because the I means that you're still focusing on you. You still think it's just me. I, what, what should I rebuild? What should I change? What should I destroy? But it's not a transformed I. It's literally Christ in you. Through the Holy Spirit. Stop looking for something to rebuild, whether it be from your past. Instead, live a life led by the Holy Spirit, who is the one who actually builds new things within you. A life crucified with Christ is only possible with the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, if you die, okay, if you're crucified with Christ, and you die, but you didn't have the Christ in me part, you didn't have the Holy Spirit come into you, you'd just be a dead corpse. And some of you guys feel like that. I keep trying to rebuild something that's already dead. Where's the new life? The new life is in your Holy Spirit that is manifested within you. Stop rebuilding. The old has gone, the new has come, and the Holy Spirit's doing a new thing in you. Right now, in this place. You know, to get, today God is calling us to stop trying to rebuild what has already been destroyed on the cross when you were crucified with Christ. Okay, he's calling us to check in our baggage, he's calling us to move forward, and he's calling us to stop looking for things to rebuild. Okay, in a moment, we're actually going to open up the altar as soon as I'm going to have John come and prepare, okay, right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I walked in here, when I walked in here, two people were very, very highlighted to me. Two people were very, very highlighted to me. And uh, I felt God's spirit within me stir up when I saw them. And God's heart is for them. And so right now, I actually...